Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. Take your Bibles this morning. You can turn to the book book of Exodus, chapter 12. We'll get there in just a few minutes. I want to spend some time this morning talking to you about freedom and helping us to realize that freedom is really never free. There's always a price attached to it. When we look down the annals of history, we quickly see and learn that most frequently that price is shed blood, spilled blood. You look through the history of the United States of America, you can see for a fact that our freedoms were won by spilled blood. Every veteran in this place today, I honor you. Thank you for your service to our country. Thank you for giving your life, your time, your effort, your energy to securing and maintaining those freedoms that we currently enjoy. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, who have served our country. We'll honor you a little bit more at the end of the service. But today we know that freedom is always purchased with blood. It's been the blood of men and women that have been shed to bring freedom to those of us living yet today. Just a few statistics I want to throw out to you. During the Revolutionary War, 15% of the population of the colonies died in that war. 375,000 people. That's amazing, isn't it? 15% of the population gave their life for freedom that they envisioned and believed could actually happen in this country. During the Civil War, the war between the states, 618,222 people died in that war to bring liberty and to bring freedom to a portion of our country. During World War I, the U.S. saw 116,000 soldiers die in that conflict. During World War II, 291,557 men and women gave their lives for freedom so that you and I wouldn't be speaking German today would still be a free country. During the Korean War, 36,914 were killed. In the Vietnam War, 58,209 were killed, both men and women, to ensure the fact that communism wouldn't spread around the world and to our own nation. And during the most current war, the War on Terror, which includes every conflict since 2001, 5,835 men and women have given their lives for the freedoms we today enjoy. So when we consider freedom, we need to realize that it really is paid for with blood every single time. Whether it's the freedom of our nation, or more importantly, the freedom of our soul. The bondage that results from Satan ravaging men and women. We could even call it the war on sin. Even that war requires blood to be shed in order for men and women to be set free. Romans 6.23 tells me the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, his son. Romans 3.23 tells me all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But Ephesians 1.7 tells me these words, he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. So in the war that each one of us rage every day, the war on sin, that war is won and freedom is gained and given through the blood of Jesus Christ. Shed freely, willingly, openly for you and I on Calvary. And it's interesting when we look back through the scripture, 
when God wanted to strike a final blow against the enslavement of his people in the nation of Israel, he chose to do that through blood. The price for their freedom, too, was paid by blood. Look at Exodus chapter 12, verse 13. It says, and now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. The plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. God's word, one of the newer translations, says it this way. The blood on your houses will be a sign for your protection. Oh, come on, folks. I want you to hear it and understand it today. It is the blood of Jesus that sets us free. It is the blood of Jesus that keeps us free. It is the blood of Jesus that provides and protects us and covers us. There is no other way to know true freedom than through the blood of Jesus Christ. God sent Moses as a delivery agent to bring the Hebrews out of bondage out of slavery, into the freedom and into the land and the promises he had made to their ancestor Abraham. And when Moses went to Egypt, he said to Pharaoh, God said, set my people free that they may go into the wilderness and worship him, have a feast unto him. You know the rest of the story, nine times Pharaoh's heart was hardened. The plagues came, each time his heart was hardened. Each time he refused to do what God had commanded. You'll remember that the first plague was that the river Nile and all the water in their pitchers and vases was turned into blood across the land of Egypt. The second plague was frogs, frogs everywhere. When you read Exodus, it says there were frogs in their bed, there were frogs in their cooking utensils, there were frogs in, can you imagine living like that? How horrible that would be. I don't even like to dig a frog out of the pool, you know what I mean? But to have them everywhere, sleeping with frogs, I just heard some lady say, yeah, but I'd kiss one, maybe become a prince. I doubt it seriously. I doubt it seriously. Frogs. And then it went to lice. Oh my goodness, can you imagine? When our kids were little, growing up in school, they always got head lice. And I hated nothing more than have to shampoo their heads and then take that little comb and comb those things out of their heads. Oh, come on, friend. Can you imagine living with lice? Lice in your ears, lice up your nose, lice on your food. Everywhere you turn, there's lice. That would have been enough for me to say, take them. They're not worth the trouble. Let them go. But not Pharaoh. He hardened his heart. And so then God sent flies. Flies everywhere. Years ago, we were building a church in the Sierra Madres of Mexico. It's the only place I've ever experienced this, and I'll never forget it. Anytime you stopped for a moment and sat down, suddenly you were covered in flies. I mean literally covered in flies. You had to constantly swat to keep them out of your face and your mouth when you were talking. If you sat down with a sandwich to eat lunch, they were all over it. And just It was the most disgusting thing I had ever seen. Can you imagine that going on for day after day? Everything covered with flies. It would spoil your appetite. It would ruin your uh, love for life and make you want to just give up. But that wasn't enough for Pharaoh. So then God killed all the livestock in Egypt, but he saved the ones where the Israelites lived. And that still wasn't enough. So then he brought boils upon all the people. Never had one, don't want to have one. But what I hear, they're very, very painful. He brought boils upon them. That still wasn't enough. So then God said, I'm going to show you a hailstorm like it's never been seen on the face of the earth. And he opened the clouds and the sky and with lightning and thunder and fire hailed on all of Egypt so that everything was destroyed. 
growing up in western Oklahoma and living in Oklahoma and Kansas for a lot of years, we've seen hailstones the size of softballs. I know they go through roofs. They destroy cars. They strip everything off the trees. They can cause a wheat crop to lay down flat and be completely ruined. Hail is very destructive. Still wasn't enough for Pharaoh. He refused to give in. So then God said, what the hail didn't destroy, the locusts are going to eat up. And when you read the scripture, it says the sky was black with locusts. Can you imagine that? So many of those flying bugs that the sky turned black and blocked out the sun. And that still wasn't enough. So then God sent complete darkness to cover the land. That still wasn't enough. So then God said to Moses, our text this morning, one more, one more plague. I'm going to take the firstborn of every household who doesn't have the blood of the lamb applied over the doorposts of their home. Oh, folks, we see that and we need to see the picture. It's a picture being drawn for us very clearly that it requires the blood of Jesus Christ for you and I to live in a place of shelter, live in a place of protection, live in a place of provision, and know that our today, tomorrow, and eternity has been secured because blood was shed for you and me. You know the rest of the story. The Israelites were told to take a lamb and they were told to roast that lamb and then take the blood of the lamb and apply it to each side and across the lintel of the doors. And when the angel of death passed over, came that night, he would see the blood and pass over those households that were marked with the blood. So when I see that scripture, I see it very clearly. Then goes on, goes on to say, roast the lamb. Don't boil it in water, but roast it and then eat it. And if it's more than enough for your family, then share it with your neighbor's family as well, but make sure it's completely consumed. And he said, eat it with bitter herbs and unleavened bread. The bitter herbs will represent the time you spent in Egypt and how bitter it was to you. And the unleavened bread represents unpurity, uncleanness that's happening all around you. God told Moses that when you eat this, tell the children of Israel, do it with your clothes on, your loins girded, the sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. What's he saying? He's saying th something is fixing to change. Something is about to turn over. Oh, come on, hear me, folks. When you apply the blood of the Lamb, when you live under the blood of the Lamb, I've come to tell you this morning, something's fixing to change. Something's about to turn over. God is moving in your behalf. God is looking out for you. God is providing for you. God is making a way where there is no way. God is opening a way through the rivers. He's moving mountains in your behalf when you live under the blood of the Lamb. Somebody ought to say, oh me, that's pretty good preaching. Amen. He said, when you see the blood, he will pass over them and the plague will not fall on them or strike them, but only upon the Egyptians where the blood is not applied. Three things I want you to see very clearly from this passage of scripture this morning. Number one, the blood marks our identity. The blood tells us to whom we belong. The blood declares whose we are. Are. In our day and in our time, that blood represents the ransom who have come through the cross of Jesus Christ, those whose life has been changed, those who are wearing the mark of God upon their lives. Oh, come on, somebody. If you've asked him to be your savior, if he's forgiven your sin, if he's altered and changed your life, if you're living under the blood, it's time to stand up and say, I'm a child of the king. I identify with Jesus. I'm one of his. I've been marked by the blood of the 
the Lamb. It's time to let people know I'm set apart. I'm sanctified. I'm not the guy I used to be. I don't do the things I once did. I don't talk like I once talked. I don't go where I once go because I'm living under the blood of the Lamb. The blood makes a difference, folks. It confirms our identity. The Hebrews were not to be identified by their earthly possessions. They were to be identified by the blood over the doors. You and I didn't understand the same is true of you and I today. We have been bought with the blood of the Lamb. Peter writes it this way in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. Knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by traditions from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. How are you redeemed? What does the word redeem means? It means bought back. You were bought back from the war of sin, bought back from Satan, bought back from the ravages of the devil. You were once lost, but because you're redeemed, you are now found. You were once not a people, not a son, not a daughter, but because you've been bought back, you are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. You're a member of the most high God's kingdom. Oh, come on, folks. It's time to recognize I wasn't redeemed with something corruptible. It wasn't gold or silver or a checkbook or daddy or mama's faith. It was the precious blood of Jesus Christ that bought me back from the curse and the stranglehold of sin. And I today have reason to rejoice. Amen. He brings us out, confirms our identity, tells us who we are. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, we are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body and your spirit. I want to park there for just a second. See, we miss this so often in the church. We say a prayer, we're going to heaven, that's all we need. No, it's not. That's where we start, it's not where we end. That's where we began, it's not where we finish. We need to understand we're bought with a price. And not just any price, but a very high price. The son of the living God gave his life, shed his blood on Calvary's hill on an old rugged cross so that you and I could say today, I've been bought with a price. I've been bought with a price. Oh, do you understand your value? Do you understand what you mean to God? Do you understand how important and how precious you are to him? He died for you. His lifeblood leaked out for you. He died so that you could stand today and say, I'm bought with a price. And it isn't just gold or silver. It isn't the trinkets of mankind. I'm bought with the precious, spotless, sinless blood of Jesus Christ, my Savior, my Lord, my Master. Oh, somebody, you're bought with a price. Get it in your spirit. See, I think when we get that in our spirit, it changes our thinking and changes our behavior. See, it all starts in the heart, goes to the mind, carried out in our actions. It starts in our heart when we understand I'm not just invaluable junk. I'm a son of God. I was bought with a price, a price that absolutely is incomparable to anything else the world has ever seen. I was bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. When I understand that, it changes the way I think. I don't see myself as poor. 
I don't see myself as oppressed. I don't see myself as beaten down. I don't see myself as persecuted. I see myself as victorious. I see myself as a champion. I see myself as a child of the living God. I see myself walking in the destiny that God laid out for me. When I understand, I'm bought with a price. When it goes from my heart to my mind, from my spirit to my soulless nature, changes the way I think. And then if it changes the way I think, it changes the way I behave. And suddenly, those things that once were easy and okay begin to grieve my spirit. Those conversations that I once had, those jokes that I once told, those habits I once indulged in, suddenly grieve my spirit because I understand I'm bought with a price and I have a responsibility to glorify God with my body and with my spirit. You say, oh, you're preaching legalism. No, I'm not. You can do whatever the Spirit of God lets you do. But I got news for you. The Spirit of God isn't going to let you sin without bringing you to a hard stop. And we're checking you and convicting you and convincing you. And if you chose to run right through that stop, then don't blame God for the consequences of that sin. Don't say if God loved me, he'd never let that happen. Are you kidding me? You made the decision. Why are you bringing God, blaming God for a decision you made? That borders on insanity, folks. Really does. They might want to lock you up for a while. Might want to do some shockwaves to your brain or something. We shouldn't be blaming God for our actions based on our decisions. God will send his spirit to convince us and to convince us and to show us you're bought with a price. It's now our responsibility to glorify God in our body and in our spirit. So my question, the blood is your identity. You're bought with the blood. That's the price. Not silver or gold and the trinkets of man, but with the blood of Jesus Christ. So my question is this, if you understand that, how are you making God look every day? How are you making God look? Are you glorifying him in your body and in your spirit? Are you acting the same old pagan way you acted before you came to Jesus? It's all about transformation. It's all about transformation. When the blood is applied to your life, he changes your heart, which changes your mind, which changes your behavior. Number two. The blood of the Lamb assures us of our security. See, when the Israelites put the blood of the Lamb on each side and over the top of the door, they were saying through that action, we believe God's word is true, and we believe this will spare us from the wrath and the judgment of God that's coming upon Egypt. What was that wrath and judgment? Any household that didn't have the blood of the Lamb over the doorpost, any household that hadn't obeyed the word of Moses, the word of God, then the firstborn in that household would be taken that night, would die. That, that's a pretty huge price to pay. I can't even imagine. Our firstborns are so precious to us, not necessarily more than those who come afterward, but there's just something about that firstborn child. Something about that one that first interrupted, disrupted, turned your life upside down. Something about that first one that cried all night. Something about that first one that disturbed your peace that caused you to love them more than ever. Something about that firstborn. God took the firstborn of everyone who did not have the blood of the lamb 
over the door of their heart. What does that tell me? It tells me the blood then becomes our badge of security. When I'm covered in the blood, I don't need to worry about what's happening out there. I don't need to worry about the wrath or the judgment of God. I'm covered in the blood and it brings protection against the judgment of God. Hebrews 9.14 says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? The blood of the Lamb brings security. Even when death knocks on my door, I can stand there assured. I know where I'm going. I know the way. I know who I'm going to see. I know who I'm going to meet. I know the future that's in store for me. And I have no fear. When you stand covered by the blood of the Lamb, your eternity is secured by Him. You will be with Him forever and ever and ever. You remember back to Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve chose to disobey God and gave in to the temptation of Satan and ate from the true of good and evil? You remember when that happened? God kicked them out of the Garden of Eden. They disrupted God's plan for their lives and the life of humanity to follow them. Because of their action, Romans 3.23 says, Every man has sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're born with that sinful nature. We're born in sin because of their actions. But when Jesus Christ died on that cross, when he gave his last breath, when he paid the ultimate price and became the complete sacrifice for my sin and for yours, God, through Jesus, renewed that relationship with mankind. So what the enemy had spoiled, God renewed. What the enemy destroyed, God breathed life back into. Oh, come on, folks. You need to hear me. This thing about Christianity, knowing Jesus, walking with the Lord, it's more than having your needs met and your bills paid and your body healed. It's about knowing he's taking me back where he wants me to be. His goodness, his mercy, his grace are going to follow me all the day of my life. I am surrounded by the angels of the Lord and the power of God and my future is secure. He's restoring what was stolen in that garden through the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus' blood was shed for you way back on Calvary so that you today could know you are secure in him. His blood confirms our identity. His blood assures us of our security. And number three, the blood affirms our salvation. Egypt in the New Testament symbolizes sin, Satan, and this evil, sin-sick system in the world that has held mankind captivity for thousands and thousands of years. The blood of the Lamb symbolizes the one who has already come to be the perfect sacrifice, return to the right hand of the Father and is waiting in heaven for you and I. When I read that word salvation from the Greek, you know what it actually says? It says healing. It says wholeness. You see, when God saved you, he didn't save you just to plunk you down on a church seat somewhere. He didn't save you just to make you start listening to Christian music. He didn't save you just so you could be a tither or a giver. He saved you so you could be complete, 
so you could be whole, so you could be healed. So all the bruises, all the wounds, all the hurts of yesterday inflicted by the evil one could be bound over. Oil and wine could be poured in. You could be healed up and made whole through the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come on, I deal with hurting people almost every day. People that are wondering, why am I going through this? Why has this happened to me? Can I tell you, when you come to the cross, when you come to Jesus, when you allow him to cover you in the blood of Christ, that moment your healing has been destined. That moment your wholeness begins. It's time to stop looking at where you have been and start looking at where he wants you to go. It's time to stop looking at what you've lost and start looking at what you gain in Jesus Christ. It's time to stop remembering, recalling, and telling everybody about your past hurts and your fears and your disappointments and that low-down, dirty dog that did you wrong and start telling everybody about Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who is good and merciful and gracious, who never does anything wrong and never fails you. Come on, come to the cross. Understand he will make you whole in Jesus Christ. Salvation is more than just a right to eternal life. Salvation is more than fire insurance. Salvation is more than an asbestos jacket. Salvation is more than safe passage through death and seeing his face. Salvation takes us back to what God wants us to be. Tom, will you come? Salvation takes us back to the place for God to renew and to restore and to help us to walk into the destiny that he has for you and I. Salvation is getting us back to what God wants for me and you. That only happens through the blood. That only happens because of the blood. That only happens by the blood. What did Jesus say in John 10, 10? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Yeah, we know a lot about that. But don't miss the last one, this conjunction. But I have come that you might have life and that more abundantly. Oh, come on, folks. It's time to stop looking back and start looking forward to the God who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ask or even begin to think. What's he saying? I'm bigger than your dreams. I'm bigger than your plans. I'm bigger than your life pattern. Oh, if you'll just follow me, I'll take you places you never thought you'd go. You'll see things you never thought you would see. You'll experience things that people said could never happen. We serve a God who through the blood of Jesus Christ takes us to the place he wants us to be. He affirms us in him. Today I thank God for the blood. I thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, if you're sitting beside somebody, you ought to turn around and give them a high five and say, I thank God for the blood today. I thank God for the shed blood of Jesus Christ over my life today. It confirms who I am. I'm a child of God. It assures me I'm going to be safe from his judgment. And it takes me into all God has in store for me. Thank God for the blood. If it wasn't for the blood of Jesus, we'd never make it back to what God intended us to be. Israelites practiced it for thousands of years. They offered blood sacrifices. Every year the high priest took the blood of the lamb into the holy of holies as an atonement for the sins of all evil for last year. 
But it did nothing for next year. It did nothing for their future. It only atoned for their past. But I've got news for you. The blood of Jesus Christ is mightier than the blood of the Lamb. The blood of sheep and goats could never bring atonement. But the blood of Jesus Christ brought reconciliation, brought forgiveness, brought new life to you and me. Not just for what's behind me, but for what's in front of me. And I can know I'm going to stand in His blood. There's an old hymn that says, There's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And when sinners plunge beneath the flood, they lose all their guilt and stains. See, the blood of Jesus Christ brings you and me freedom. There's no other way to know it except through His blood. You made it to the end of the message, and now what? Is God leading you to make a change? Are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ? then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sharer Road in Tallahassee, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 10.30 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.